You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. This morning we're celebrating um, because not only did Jesus die for our sins, but he rose again. And uh, as we looked at Good Friday, we, we looked at the fact of all that was accomplished in his death. And in a sense, if we, could, we could just celebrate his death, but then it would only be part of the story. In fact, it was this resurrection that really begins, kind of really gives us the hope of the gospel. Uh, because it isn't just something that we're removed, that was removed from our lives, but it's something that his resurrection gives us our future. Right? His death removed our sins, removed all that was wrong, brought us into a relationship with the Father, but his death alone doesn't give us the future. It just removes our past. Does that make sense? It only removes our past. There is nothing forward. And so if we were to just look at Jesus' death and never look at his resurrection, we'd only have half the story. We'd only know that we're forgiven and that's it. But it was his resurrection that gave us this hope, gave us a future with where we're going. And so we're going to continue in our study that uh, started uh, a couple of weeks back, Julian shared, uh, in Colossians. And we're, we're looking, and we're kind of the next two months, we're looking through Colossians. And now this week, we are looking at Colossians, in particular, this one passage. And this letter was written to a church that was tempted through false teaching to diminish who Jesus was and all that he had accomplished. Okay, So the church, through false teaching, was being uh, challenged with this thought of the supremacy of Christ. And so uh, Paul really writes to the church to, to address the fact that Jesus was supreme and that he accomplished everything for us. And so we're going to read this morning from Colossians 1, 18 to 23. Colossians 1, 18 to 23. It says this. It says, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through the blood shed on the cross. Once we were alienated from God and we were enemies in our in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you have heard and that... Uh, has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Wow. Christ's death, even as we see in this passage, dealt with our sin, dealt with our failure, dealt with our shame, dealt with our past. It was a payment that settled once and for all everything that stood against us. Yes? Everything, the, the accuser of our, our lives, Satan, he, he, he removed that his death, Christ's death removed the ammunition that would otherwise be against us because Jesus paid this price. Now, Christ's resurrection gives us a hope and a future, and we have a purpose for our existence because he rose from the dead. And we're going to look at a few things from this passage that we understand about because Christ rose from the dead, certain things are in play. If Christ hadn't rose from the dead, these things would not be happening, okay? So I want us to look from this perspective because Christ rose from the dead, these are the things that are at work in our lives and in the church. 
And the first one is in Christ's resurrection, he became the head of the church, his body. Okay. In Ephesians chapter one, he, it, it says it in a slightly different way, but it, the same thought. Ephesians 1, 18 to, to 23, it says this. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in the, the right hand of the heavenly realm. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church. I want you to look at this thought process. Jesus died, went to the grave, but in that place of being exalted above everything, at the end of this whole passage, is talking about the church. Christ is the head of the church. He is the head. He has been placed in the head of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. When we put our faith in Jesus, we become part of his body, don't we? We become part of, of, of all that he is. In this moment of saying, Jesus, I put my faith in you. We're joined in with everyone else as part of us, uh, with part of his body. And it isn't just a body that's headless. It's not like a chicken with a head cut off, but we are a body that's connected to the head and the head gives us everything that we need for direction in life. He connects us together because we all share the same head. We have the same, we, we, his spirit, his thoughts connect our spirits together. And so we are connected one to each other, but he also gives us direction and leading. If Jesus hadn't rose from the dead, we would be forgiven and that would be it. But because he's the head, we have a direction and focus in our lives. Does that make sense? We have focus. We have direction because his spirit is in us. He's he's the head of us. He's leading us. We're joined to his eternal plan and purpose. Jesus plan for the church was his plan to redeem the world. We are the hope of the world, aren't we? Jesus in us. He's the head. And because we're part of, of his kingdom, you and I are commissioned to bring his kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. That his plan is to work through our lives, but he sits at the head of all of this. We make known the manifold wisdom of God to the heavenly rules and authorities. And sorry, we make known the manifold wisdom of God to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. It says this in Ephesians 3.10. Who? The church. Why? Because he's our head. Guys, you and I are here today because Christ is the head. He's seated in the highest place above every other power and entity. He's sitting in the place of supremacy in our lives as the head of the church. When Christ rose from the dead, he made a way for us now to reflect him in all his glory. Why? Because he's the head of our lives and he's the head of his body. We are now his body, his hands and feet extended. We reflect him as he leads and guides us. And so, first of all, we see in the passage in Colossians, it says, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, but it goes on to say, he is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead. And so he's the head of the church. But the second thing is when Christ rose from the dead, he became the firstborn among the dead. Interesting thought process. What does that mean? Firstborn among the dead. It almost seems like an oxymoron, doesn't it? To say he was the firstborn among the dead because dead people don't aren't born. Yes, 
In fact, I've, I've never gone to a funeral home and seen people being birthed. Have you? No, you go to the hospital, to the maternity ward, and that's where you see people being born. You don't go to the, the morgue to see people being born. However, in this case, Jesus was the firstborn among the dead. Right? He was the firstborn among the dead. He, he, he brought a change. There's something. He, he was dead, but actually he, he came to life. But he came to life not in the way he died. He came to the life as a new man. Something changed in his death, in his resurrection. He wasn't, he didn't rise. When Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't rise the same way he died. Okay? When Jesus rose from the dead, it wasn't like, oh, it's Jesus back from the dead. Wow, we just can't keep him down. Can't keep a good man down. No, it wasn't that at all. When he rose from the dead, he was, he was raised in immortality. He had a new body. He had a new spirit. He, he was different in everything that he was. He was the firstborn. And so in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, it unpackages this a little bit better. In fact, this whole passage is worth reading at home. Verses 35 right to the very end talks about the resurrection of the body. But we're going to read just a few bits of this just to help unpackage it. Actually, all of chapter 15 speaks about the resurrection. But 2022, it says this, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruit from those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Death entered the human race when Adam sinned, right? When, when Adam chose to disobey God, death entered us. In fact, when, from the point of Adam till now, death is inevitable. Would you agree? In fact, if you were to look at the statistics of every human person who's lived on this planet, the odds are pretty much in your favor you're going to die. There are a couple exceptions to that rule. But by and large... We all die. Why? Because sin entered. And because sin entered, death entered. Now, just as death entered through one man, which we just read, in essence, Adam was the first to lead this, this whole procession of people who would die. Everyone who comes in, in Adam's wake will die. That's because we're his seed, we're his offspring. We're born into sin. We have no choice over that, do we? We're born in this nature, and death is inevitable for us. But when Jesus came, just as Adam was the first of everyone, Christ was the first among the dead to rise. That those that would follow him would also rise. He became the first fruit among the dead. He was the firstborn among the dead. Why? Because everyone who puts their faith in him shall rise again. There's a new life that comes. The death no longer has a hold on Jesus' life. And death no longer has a hold in our lives. There's a new life. There's a resurrection life that entered the human race at this point through one man, Jesus Christ. Resurrection life entered the human race at this point in history, 2,000 years ago. When Jesus rose from the dead, suddenly new life, resurrection life, was made accessible to every human being on the planet. Bam! Come on, guys, you're like half asleep here. Resurrection life entered the human race. That means no longer would we be destined to death, but actually through Jesus Christ, new life would come. New life would happen in our lives. Just as he was made alive from, from a place of death, so also we are made alive in him. 
In fact, the same power, we just read this, the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in who? Us. Dwells in who? Us. us. It dwells in us. What does that mean? Is that in our spirit, man, right now, the resurrection power, when we put our faith in him, lives in us. Amen. The same power that rose Christ from the dead, that took him from the depths of the, of the dead and rose him to immortality lives in us. That's life changing. That's being born again. That's being born in the spirit. That's becoming a new creation. What does it mean being a new creation? It's being like what Jesus happened to Jesus. But for us in this moment, he's our spirit man that comes to life. I don't know about you, but the day you give your life to Jesus, something comes alive in you. Amen. What was it? It wasn't that the preacher was so good and you thought, woo, you know, yippee skippy, I'm going to be a Jesus follower. No, something happens in us that changes us. We were once dead, but now we're made alive. We may experience this new life in our spirits today, but we also have a hope that we will be transformed in our bodies just as Jesus was. Can I just tell you, when Jesus rose from the dead, you know, people didn't recognize him. His own disciples didn't recognize him. Why? Because he had a glorified body. His body, we will have a body like that. Amen. Amen. I tell you what, he didn't have aches and pains. He had no sorrow. He had no pain. You know what? He went from one place to another place. I look forward to that day, but I don't have to get in my car and drive anywhere. Bam! I'm going somewhere else. I got a new body. Yeah. I can just rise. I don't have it yet. Right now, I just have to use motorcycles, which is a, is a close second. It's a close second to me. And to some in this room. Right, Ben? Right. And Hugh? Anyone else who has a secret love of bikes? Anyways, I'll keep going because I'm, I'm digressing really quick. But if we look, if we look a little bit further in Coloss in Corinthians, we see this. Verse 42. It says, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead? The body that uh, was sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is, it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. When we keep reading through this passage of scripture, it, it goes on to speak about when, when Christ comes back in the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed. For the imperishable must close itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. Christ is the first fruit of all that put their faith in him. Jesus died perishable, yet rose imperishable. He died mortal, but he rose eternal. He died in dishonor, but rose glorified. He, he died in weakness, yet rose in power. You see, when Christ died, he, he put to death the old, and he rose to introduce the new, which is this new life, this supernatural life. Jesus was the first fruit for all of us. That's why he's the hope. When we look at him, we don't see the end. We see the beginning. We see the, 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 the coming days that will happen to all of our lives. Yes, we have a new hope and we have a new life in our spirits today. But guess what, guys? When we look at the bigger picture of eternity, we will also have new bodies. We will be changed in every aspect of who we are. That's our hope, isn't it? And anyone older in this room that's got aches and pains and struggles, you know what? You're going to have a new body one day. That's the hope. If Jesus got a new body, you're going to get a new body. Yes. 
That's the hope we have. We will live eternity in a glorified state because of all that Jesus has done. This is the hope we have in him. It's good news, isn't it? Death has been swallowed up in victory. This is the hope we have in Jesus. But it goes on even beyond this. In Colossians, it says this. He says, he was the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. I want you to say everything. everything. It meant, it means this. In the Greek, everything is encompassing of pretty much everything. Okay? When you go really deep into scripture and you study the ancient passages and you look at the deep meaning of the word everything, it, it comes to this point where I know this is going to be mind blowing. It means pretty much everything. It means everything. So if we were going to look at this through the resurrection of Jesus, he became supreme over all things. So that in everything he might have supremacy. In other words, there is nothing that Jesus is not supreme over. When he rose from the dead, he brought immortality and that was the final victory. You see, death was the ultimate penalty for all of our sin. But when Jesus rose from the dead, he brought the ultimate victory that death no longer had a hold on humanity. But actually a resurrection life was now this ultimate victory that he would have supremacy over the grave. There was, he was, he went to the depths so that he could bring supremacy over every aspect of life. Christ has supremacy. As we already read in Ephesians 1.21, Jesus is far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in that one to come. Our faith is not only in the Jesus that paid the price for our sin. Our faith is in the one who is now supreme over everything. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we're not putting our faith and trust in a God that's, it's a 50-50 chance as or whether he is bigger or stronger than the enemy. You know, he is supreme over all things. And so when we put our faith in Jesus, we put our faith in a sure thing. He's standing right now in the position of supremacy. It's not a competition. Jesus is not battling right now for the place of being supreme over all things. He is in the position of being supreme over all things. That's the finished product. We are putting our faith into Jesus who right now stands supreme over all things. This is great news. Our faith is in the one who is seated in the place of absolute authority. Why? Because he rose from the dead. If Jesus stayed in the, gra- in the, in the ground, who would have at this moment absolute authority? But Jesus, the Bible says in Ephesians that God rose him from the grave and rose him to the highest place. Why? Because he conquered everything that would otherwise have, have, has stood as the cap or as the, 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 the authority over us. But because he conquered everything, every aspect that would otherwise have a hold in our lives, including death, God was able to raise him to the highest place above all of that because he conquered everything in between. By a legal right, he had authority over all things because he conquered and fulfilled every law and every requirement 
that, that gave him that position. It is rightfully Jesus's. When we say Jesus is above every other power and authority, it is rightfully his place. Because he has conquered and fulfilled everything that would have otherwise stood in between him and that place. This means that we don't need to be worried about or afraid about our future, do we? Because Jesus has, is supreme over all things. We don't need to be worried about what is going to happen tomorrow because Jesus, his title is not just for today, but it's also for the future. We can trust him. It is for this reason it is that we can say, if God is for us, who can be against us? And guys, I don't know what you're going through today, but the resurrection of Jesus means that he stands supreme. And if we put our hope in him, you know, we have nothing to fear because he is with us and he is over all things. He is stronger and he is bigger than all things. Wow. I can just rest in knowing that he's in control so I don't have to be. I can rest in knowing that he's conquered everything so I don't have to. You and I, we sit in this position of being on the winner's side. Everyone likes to be part of a winning team, don't we? Yeah? I mean, you look at football fans. Everyone thinks that their team is the winning team. So few are correct. As much as you like Wolverhampton or you like other... Sorry, Robin. <laughs> Stir the pot. No. Uh, you, can, you can love all sorts of teams, but there's something about hedging your bets on the winning team. That, that Actually, the battle has already been won. It's actually a no-brainer, is it? Why would I put my hope into something that has already been defeated when I can put my hope in the one who is the victor? And, and when, we're, when, when Christ says, put, just put your faith in me, Actually, he calls me to the victory side. He calls me to live from a place of victory because he's already accomplished it. And he says, actually, in my power, in my, in, in what all I accomplish, I want you to sit with me and you can live out your life from that position because I accomplished, I conquered everything. And so you can just sit with me in this position of being the victor. You don't need to be overcome by the world, but I, cause I have overcome the world. You don't need to, to be the underdog cause I've overcome everything that was against you. And you can come and sit with me and you can come and have a relationship with me and you can come and live out your life reflecting me and the victory that I have, I've won for you. You see, all that we see, all that we see about Christ coming to this earth, it was for us. It was for us. God was already supreme, but he redeemed us so that we can walk in that place of freedom with him. It was for us. He rose from the dead, not for his benefit, but it was for our benefits that he would be the first fruit for us. It wasn't for him and his sake. It was for our sake. He did this. You see, as we keep reading in Colossians, we, as we bring it to a close, it says this. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Right? All his fullness, his glory, his power, his very essence. And this can be most clearly seen in his, his resurrection. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. But the second part of it is this. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through the blood 
shed on the cross. Again, we were once alienated from God and enemies in our minds because of our evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Hallelujah. God was pleased to reconcile us to him through Christ's death on the cross that we would also share in the victory. Can I tell you what? It be, to be In order for us to be united in Christ and his resurrection power, it starts with us being united with him in his death. We love the thought of being seated with him in heavenly places, but actually it starts at the cross. It's like the waters of baptism. If I die with Christ, then I can rise with him. My old nature, my old me dies with Christ. I accept all that he's done for my life. I accept his grace. And in that place, I'm now seated with him. I now receive it. Accepting his salvation, his penalty for our sin is the step of putting our faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross. And in that moment, we're reconciled with the Father. Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Do you know what? It is Christ who presents us to the Father as a resurrected Lord. Who is presenting us to the Father? It's Jesus. How can he do that? Because he rose from the dead. He is our great advocate. He's the one saying, you know what? Here is Tom. He's, he's completely holy. He's without blemish. He's free from accusation because he's accepted me. And so the Father accepts him. Because of what Jesus, because Jesus is presenting him. Do you know what Jesus right now presents us before the Father? He presents us. He's in this position as the risen Savior. He presents us to the Father as holy and blameless. He basically says to the Father, he's with me. He's, with, he's accepted. She's accepted. And the Father looks at us and says, wow, I only see my son and so I'm pleased. And in this process, we're given new life in Christ. And we're called to participate in his resurrection power. His power now lives in us. Guys, we have a great hope when we put our faith in Jesus. Jesus has done it all for us. He's paid the price we couldn't pay. But it also gives us a hope in our future for the life that we are to live. You know, he doesn't just save us from our past, but he gives us the future in which we're called to live. Again, sometimes I think we look at salvation only as what we're saved from, but God calls us to be saved to something. We're called to live out his resurrection life. Last week, Robin shared on the joy and the hope we have of his presence, of being with him. And you know what? This is because he rose from the dead. We have his presence. We have his joy. We have the hope he offers us. And guys, I pray that your heart would be encouraged today. Whatever you're going through, do you know what? Jesus is supreme over all things. If you're lacking wisdom, you know he is the head. He's the one who can give direction. If you're thinking you're over, overwhelmed by life, do you know what? God has overcome the world. He just says, get close to me. Stand close to me. And I'll help you. If maybe today you've never taken that step of saying, God, I, I give my life to you. Accept Jesus. I put my faith in. Do you know what? Today's the, a great day to do it. You know, the Bible says all heaven rejoices when just one person accept what Jesus has, has done. All of heaven rejoices. What an amazing thing. Why? Because all of this Easter story is for you. 
It's for you that you would know the resurrection power in your own life. It's not worth living our life on our own, in our own strength. When Jesus has come to give us life and life more abundantly. I want us to stand, please. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.